Before we get into episode 33 of the Get The Who's podcast today, I just want to introduce this pod by saying Dame has been traded. I made a reaction video on it to my channel on Gifted Hoops. So if you're watching this on the YouTube version, go tap in there for more details. I will be having a podcast coming up soon with Trailblazer fans discussing the trade. And also, with a Bucks fan going through the ins and outs and inner workings of this trade. So be posted for that. That's going to come pretty soon. But for today's conversation, I talked with CEO Hayes, a great Chicago Bulls content creator. Bulls Central Pod. Make sure to tap in for all of those things. We had a very fun conversation about the Bulls, the peak of their run, the front office changes, Jim Boylan, how bad he was as a coach, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan's fit. We get into a lot of things in today's episode, but I just wanted to address the Dame trade. I think it's crazy. I think the Bucks did a phenomenal move to build around Giannis and try to keep him as their focal point moving forward by trading for Dame. That is the definition of making a win now move. And the fact that they only had to give up Drew Holiday, a 2029 first round pick and those two swaps, they did a really good job considering Giannis's comments and the state of the Bucks moving forward. I still think their roster as a whole is a bit questionable in terms of their defense and athleticism from the wing and guard spots. Losing Wesley Matthews and also Javon Carter, I feel like it's going to hurt. But at the same time, at the end of the day, you got Giannis. When you have Dane and Giannis together on the court, the way they're both going to bend defense is going to be something truly special. But we'll get into those particulars in another podcast episode. But for today, I'm going to now transition us to the conversation I had with Hayes. Make sure to like this podcast, subscribe to this podcast on YouTube, and download it if you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Those audio versions are out there as well. Peace out, people. Have a good one. Let's get into the conversation. What's good with everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gifted Hoops Podcast. This is episode 33 of the podcast so far. Basketball is very, very close. We're almost there. A couple of days left until preseason begins. And on this episode of the podcast, we are covering Chicago Bulls basketball. And I'm joined here by none other than Bulls Central Pod Welcome, Hayes, to the podcast. Introduce yourself to the people. What's going on? My name is Hayes, a.k.a. CEO Hayes, and I'm host of Chicago Bulls Central. Yes, I'm very happy to have Hayes here on this podcast because he drops consistent content. He's been doing it for two years. He also has a lot of years in the podcasting game as well. He has some other podcasts, so make sure to go check that content out. But on today's episode, we're here to talk about the Chicago Bulls. There's a lot of caveats and things to discuss in terms of 2024, potential Dame trades that may or may not happen. But I kind of want to start this with the beginning. And I think the beginning of this would really be the shift of the build in Bulls basketball after you guys got new management after the guard packs era. I want to get your thoughts on specifically your perspective as a Bulls fan after those changes happen before we get to the big free agency names that you guys were able to get. I mean, I think the, the move from guard packs was needed. I mean, anytime you have someone who A, says they don't know how to build around a player, i.e. and Jimmy Butler, and then they go to the ownership and say, hey, we we don't know how to build a team anymore. Um, You know, it's, it's you make the right move. You need, you need to move off those guys. And that's basically what uh, John Paxson uh, told the ownership. 
And then when you know AK came in, it was a it, it was a breath of fresh air for for Bulls fans. I think like just the fact that anybody who usually holds the president of basketball operations for the Chicago Bulls, they usually hold that position for about a decade, right? So like it's it's something rare that happens with the franchise that we even changed that role. So uh, it was good to see. It was it was a nice feeling. Now has it stayed that way? No, but it never really does. You never stay on cloud nine with a new with a new management team. So yeah. I would say for me, Chicago Bulls basketball, specifically after getting that new management, for me, it was like, okay, the Bulls are trying to make a swing to be competitive because I feel like beforehand they were just kind of there, but the new signings that they got, they had a specific vision that they were trying to accomplish. And I feel like they committed to that heavily. I mean, signing Lonzo Ball, Caruso and DeMar in the same offseason, I mean, I remember the talks around that time. A lot of people were disrespecting the Bulls. Like, oh, the Bulls, it's the same old Bulls. It's not going to be this or that, this or that. And this is a team that when they came together in preseason, all said, we're here because they want us to be here. Let's create some new culture in Chicago. And I felt like the writing was on the wall for this team to be different. I mean, Lonzo Ball to me, like coming in, he's been one of my favorite players in the NBA for a long time in terms of his IQ and how he's a pass first guard. And nowadays it's a bunch of combo guards who are averaging 35 points, but can't throw any post entry passes or <laughs> full court. Right. So Lonzo to me was the bridge between Zach Levine and obviously DeMar DeRozan, who is another guy that people said was washed. But if you watch him on the Spurs, he was actually really developing his game from a playmaking sense even further and that yeah. first year for the bulls i kept saying guys this seems going to be a lot better than people think just give it some time what were your thoughts before that happened when you guys had zach levine and you make the wendell carter trade before any of that happens i got to get your perspective on that i think that when when the trade for to bring in vooch was made i felt like at the time it was the right trade and that team was on pace to make the playoffs and then Zach Levine got COVID and missed the final like 15 games had it not been for that we would have made the playoffs also that year and so I know like a lot of Bulls fans look at Vooch for what he's not but Vooch for what he is he's still one of the top 10 centers in the NBA and so you know Wendell Carter at the time was a player that kind of under uh performed uh didn't really develop in the way that we wanted to and that was because of Jim Boylan I do blame that on Jim Boylan who was our head oh, coach he was throughout bad. most of it was bad. Jim Boylan was terrible. Absolutely one of the worst coaches that I've ever seen as far as like just mentally tearing down your own players, ruining their confidence. And the reason why we've seen a lot of players that have left that regime and going on and, you know, turned into solid players elsewhere is because they had to rebuild their confidence. They've all talked about how Jim Boylan in that era of the Bulls really didn't do much for their confidence. So, you know, I understood it at the time. Uh, they, they gave up. They paid a steep price. And I think people forget now that at that time, Nikola Vucevic was an all-star, averaging some of his best numbers of his career. You're going to pay a steep price for a player at that point in time. So, you know, I looked at that move of Vooch being like, okay, this new front office is making their move to try to make this team a playoff team. I didn't think, you know, the, the subsequent moves in the offseason of Caruso, Zoe, and DeMar would happen. But that move really signified, okay, they've now picked their path. Let's see how they execute it. I love what you said because people have to operate with context. I remember that season, by the way. Zach Levine was a monster that year. He had this one game, I believe it was that year, where he was going up, I think, versus Charlotte. And he was, like, dominating, like, three after three after three. Got them all the way back in the game. And towards the end of that year, as you said, he got COVID and the team wasn't able to go that far. But to me, 
the move to trade Wendell for that all-star player in Vucevic, that was a move to show that, hey, Zach, we see how good you are. We're trying to show you that we're trying to make moves to win now. And that's a big move because, I mean, he was a 20 points per game five who could space the floor at a pretty great level to where defenses had to respect his three-point shot. But more importantly, he was a decorated veteran player that you're signing to show Zach, hey, we're not going to let you sit here and rot and waste your talents here. So for, for me, that made sense. It was just the picks on top of Wendell and, and all that. I'm like, ah, got to see how that really shakes out. And now it's like uh, Franz and even more to come from that. So that hurts, I think. But in the moment, it's something that I kind of understood in terms of if you're going to say Zach Levine, you're our guy, you are the franchise, you are Mr. Chicago, you have to make some type of moves that shows to him you are committed to winning. Great. Agree, like, and you know, you know, yeah, Franz Wagner hurt because to see what he would have been, what he's become, and I think, you know, even looking at Franz now, like that would be a player that I would love to see next to Zach Levine. But hey, hindsight, right? Yeah, and I have to say, another guy which you give a lot of respect to on your podcast when a lot of Bulls fans probably wanted his neck, former Bull Lori Markinen. I mean, this is a guy that showed. Promise, sure, but he had many moments of inconsistency. I think Jim Boylan played a big role in that as well. Again, I agree with you. One of the worst coaches I've seen, but seeing him go from Chicago and grow his game, did you ever think he could ever reach that type of height, or did you think it's just not going to be found here currently with this Bulls roster? No, I definitely saw because we saw Larry's second year, he flashed a lot of what he's showing now. Like, and that's why when Jim Boylan took over and we saw like the stagnant offense and you know his his fake motivation, like you started seeing Laurie on top of injury. Like I do want to put that framework out there too. Lonzo, I mean not Lonzo, uh, Laurie started getting hurt a lot. Right. He he had a lot of injuries and missed a lot of time. But on top of that, like just Jim Boylan over there not having a focus on development, it really did hurt. But no, I absolutely saw. I mean, Again, one of the first videos I had on my channel before we traded Laurie was like, hey, I, I like the idea of Laurie still on this team. And that was after we had Alonzo and things like that. I'm like, I like the idea. And then they ended up moving him. But, like, you know, you, you, you have to do something. And, you know, Laurie, unfortunately, at that point in time, I don't think the, the relationship was salvageable. Um, I think that he wanted to go out and he needed to go somewhere. He even talked about it. his confidence still wasn't the best in Cleveland. It took another year after that to then go to Utah for that confidence to really get back uh, in him. And so that's just a byproduct of, unfortunately, the ownership and the front office at the time doubling down on Jim Boylan. I think the key word that you said there is confidence. People have to understand in sports period, but especially basketball, the confidence is like 90% of the game for, you know, players to really show just how good they are. I feel like Jim Boylan was very restrictive for a lot of players and he robbed them of that confidence. But now that he's in, you know, a new place where he's basically the guy and he gets more of those chances to show it that confidence can be there because hey i know that i'm gonna play tonight i know that okay i am a, i have this guaranteed spot here i have uh x or y time to do exactly what i like to do that type of things can make players a lot better so confidence is a huge huge thing and i think right now this is the best time to go to the big splash. So now you hit free agency. You get Lonzo Ball. I love Lonzo Ball. I thought he was a perfect 
fit for what the Bulls were trying to do in terms of a, a point guard that can pass, play defense, and guess what? He's not a non-spacer. This is someone who put the work in to change his game to go from a 32% three-point shooter to 40% on eight to nine threes a game. That's what Lonzo Ball was. And getting him on this roster to me was the first piece to make everything make sense. And then you guys also add DeMar DeRozan to this list as well. As a Bulls fan, what was your raw perspective when all this happened after you make the trade for a All-Star right before? I think Lonzo theoretic like we heard it like the the team wanted to trade for him the year before right that's why that deal got done so quick like lonzo was it on paper and in reality the perfect backcourt mate next to zach levine he brought everything that everything that zach levine was was weak in lonzo was strong in just about right when you look at the basketball iq the facilitating the passing right the defense those are all strengths and so lonzo i always say and i always talked about it back then like lonzo ball being not only a good defender himself but being a communicator like i think that's something that as basketball fans we we don't really pay attention to because we're listening to the commentary but if you look at it lonzo's always talking when he's out there on the court and so having a player of his basketball acumen and iq it helped raise the defensive iq of everybody on the floor around them because where zach levine doesn't have the best off ball uh, uh awareness defensive awareness when you have a player like lonzo saying hey they're about to do this look over there to your left to your left to your left it helps it helps shore that up and so lonzo was the perfect backcourt mate next to zach levine i can't underscore that enough and the communication point to me is a huge factor here because Lonzo specifically coming in, he wasn't always that same vocal loud player, but through years in you know in the league and getting that experience, he got a chance to really verbalize those things more. To me, Lonzo has always been more of a guy that's gonna just go out there have no emotion on his face whatsoever and hoop and play well and get everybody involved. But that communication factor on top of his already made skills to me i'm like okay this is a great fit for the bulls and then after that you get demar DeRozan. now for me personally i'll be honest i felt like he was a player that was extremely flawed when it came down to playing elite defense for sure but i always felt that what demar has shown is that he puts in the work to his game he's a phenomenal player he plays a bunch of games but even for that spurs team the leadership in terms of the mentality with those young guys how they still made that push and made the playoffs i felt like demar DeRozan could now come to chicago and pattern his game with younger talent and for instance having a zach levine who just came off of the run where they won the gold medal. Like that type of confidence, it does something to a player. So having DeMar there as well to, to give him game from here or there, I thought made a lot of sense. But also in terms of the pressure he can put on you for, from the mid-range, I promise you, I'm a DeMar DeRozan fan. We'll get into it. But the season he had was a historical season. A lot of people don't really talk about it, but 55% on mid-range shots at a high clip, like, man, great player. Yeah, DeMar DeRozan, I think, I understood that they brought they brought him in because he was a veteran and we needed some leadership. And to take move from a team that hadn't made the playoffs to wanting to having aspirations to make it out the first round at that point in time, you need a player that has that veteran leadership. We, we all know DeMar DeRozan's had issues in, in the playoffs and getting out of the Eastern Conference into the finals. We all know that that's part of his story. You got to be fair and talk about that as well. But like what DeMar is on the court, the Bulls needed that at the time. We didn't have that type of leadership. And even bringing in Vooch, who had been an all-star he'd gone on a playoff run demar had led a team into the playoffs pretty much and so it, it, it is run with the raptors so we really did need that leadership at that time i won't lie i had some questions about the fit on the on the court just with how ball dominant 
Damar was and Zach Levine being that as well. I had some some doubts about it. But the thing that you said, like, it's how, and I think the one thing as sports fans that we don't always understand is the sum of the parts coming together the right way, getting the right mix of players. And that's why team construction is important. And bringing in DeMar, bringing in Lonzo to add what you already had with with Zach, Pat, and, and Vooch, it was roll. It was working. Like, and, and that's the thing. Like, I think now with how the Bulls have gone, you know, there's a lot of now, oh, well, they need to blow it all up. Like, the, the roster that this front office built, the ideal roster that they had, we were number one team in the East before injuries happened. So it was working. I was going to speak to that because I watched a ton of Bulls games because I said, this year, this ain't going to be fun. I'm locked in. I'm going to see exactly how this works. Not only were they the one team, we got to keep this fully in mind because I know the numbers like the back of my head. The Bulls were a top 10 defense, even higher than that, but top 10 defense with Lonzo Ball and Alice Caruso leading that backcourt. And, and like, I have to speak to that because, again, as good as Vucevic is, to me, he is not a good rim protector. But the way the team structurally made it work around their backcourt being the most disruptive guards, they deterred teams from getting to the rim to get the shot off in the first place. And that, to me, was the key difference for why Chicago was so successful on top of how Lonzo would accelerate the pace, which is why DeMar and Zach found ways to fit because Lonzo was the middle piece that could accelerate the pace, make sure that guys aren't playing too slow. And DeMar had developed mid-range gravity in terms of as soon as I take one dribble in, I can kick out of this fadeaway mid-range. That all came together for you guys to have a ton of success, in, in my opinion, Hayes. I always say there's two forms of rim protection. Everybody likes to focus on block shots, and it's amazing. You want to have somebody who can protect the rim. But the other form of rim protection is play so good perimeter defense that the team can't get to the rim. That's what the Bulls did. It was so hard to make an entry pass on that Bulls team, right? Because you had Lonzo with his length and defensive versatility, right? And, and you know, Javante, because Patrick Williams had gotten hurt at that point, who also was really good at causing deflections. And then once that team got out in the open court, that was one of the most dangerous parts of that team's game, that version of the team's game. So, yeah, we, we, we didn't have the shot-blocking rim protection, but we were so good at everything else that it still deterred people from getting to the rim on the Chicago Bulls. Especially when you have DeMar DeRozan being the player he was that year. Like, I cannot put into words how many times when it came down to the fourth quarter, DeMar DeRozan takes the ball and he led the league in fourth quarter points. This guy was dominant. He was closing out games. And more importantly, the Bulls suffered a lot of injuries that season. And DeMar, I'm pretty sure, played the most games and was dominant, scoring 35 points, 40 points. I remember vividly the amount of times he was getting people with that up fake, get into the line, and be such a productive basketball player for your franchise. I mean, he shut up everyone who in the offseason said, oh, DeMar's the worst. Like, I can't believe the Bulls did this. He's the worst signing. He he shut all that up and made an all-NBA team that year. Yeah, yeah. DeMar, DeMar broke, broke a Wilt Chamberlain record that had been around for like 40 years at that point in time. Like, it, it was... It was so we were on such a high at that point in time. I mean, I even said then I talked about it then like the Bulls team still had its flaws. Right. And while we're the number one team in the East, I was even talking about during the good times like, hey, we got some things that we need to fix or we're not going to keep being the number one team in the East. But we're still a much better team than what we were. And the, the, the thing that hurts so much about that version of the team is that now we've spent the last two off seasons just trying to replicate what Lonzo Ball brought. Whereas had he never went down, those last two off seasons could have been focused on filling the gaps that that yes. team was missing. So, yeah, that's really set the team back a lot. 
that is the hardest thing for me to acknowledge when it comes down to the Bulls because the idea of the team that they were trying to build, while sure you can target the flaws it might have had, they only really got one year to really go at it because of all of the injuries. And again, Lonzo was such a big piece to everything that that team did. Not having him, it's very hard to find a 6'6 guard who's going to play, make, play defense, sh shoot the three well, and still have multiple balance where there's supercharged lineups offensively but we can also play defense like i'm pretty sure someone called in on your show saying if we can have drumming at the four and i'm like the spacing is criminal like you cannot like it's so hard today's league because if you have offensive liabilities out there teams are going to exploit you religiously for it like terribly terribly yeah, I mean, and that's that's that was a terrible phone call uh, because like, and I think pe like people make great 2K lineups, and that that would probably be a killer 2K lineup. But in practicality, in real life, you need spacing, and starting drumming at the four is just a non-starter, right? And that's what Lonzo brought that was so well is that like, not only could he get out in transition, like I said, one of the best highlights ever is Lonzo goes from inbounding the ball to passing all the way down the court immediately to. A running Zach Levine that was all, that was a dunk, like and it was flawless, right? That type of thing is hard to replicate, and so you know it's unfortunate, right? But you know that's the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah, and um, I still have to say though, what Caruso was as well, like the combo of those two, Caruso, I was scared of because he he would come in on wings, guards, whoever that black headband on and just get to work every, every single time, just go go down. I'm pretty sure like he was top five in terms of his defensive steals and the disruptions. I mean, you had such a deflective backward, as you said, teams couldn't even get to the rim against the Chicago Bulls. Now, my only issue, though, is once Lonzo goes down, I think the front court defense got exposed a bit more because Lonzo and Caruso were so switchable that sometimes, okay, now the work that we have to do on the interior, Vucevic doesn't have to come out as often because these guys have it. With him being gone, it hurts. But at least now you guys signed Carter, which to me, he played a phenomenal role from the POA perspective. And I think he fits into this team well because he can also shoot the ball. So having both of those things and also a, a guy that's from Chicago, I think that means a lot to this team for the upcoming 2024 campaign. Sure. I think like Javon Carter gets close. Is like he's the difference between Patrick Beverly, who we played a lot better with, and Lonzo Ball. He brings a lot of what those two guys bring, right? The three-point shooting has been legit his whole career. He's always played on teams with ball-dominant players, so he understands how to go about getting his and impacting the game without needing a bunch of shots or the ball to be in his hand all the time. When you have a team with, like, DeMar DeRozan, that's hugely beneficial to have that type of player around. And not he's not as switchable with Zoe because Zoe can switch on – one through four and some like i saw zoe guard Jokic. yes possession i remember and i literally was like oh zoe was about to get murdered and he stole the ball and Jokic just looked like what just happened so like he's not that switchable but he's still switchable. he can guard ones twos and some threes and i think so he's the closest to replicating what we are missing in lonzo and i can't wait to see how it all comes together on the court for the bulls this season 100 percent. and hayes as a person that is a Warriors fan, for me personally, what I'm looking at your team at, my biggest X factor for the Bulls season this year, it's not DeMar DeRozan, it's not Zach Levine, 
it's Patrick Williams. P. Will mm. is a player that I have not given up faith on. Last year, he shot 40% from three on, I think, maybe four to five threes a game. But the defense was showing from P. Will. I think this is his season to make a leap overall as a player. He's gotten a lot of coaching and, and a ton of experience from DeMar as well. What are your personal expectations for P. Will this upcoming season? To me, so I don't know if P. Will is going to get the shots, like score a bunch of points this season, right? He averaged uh, over 10 points per game. I think that, you know, it, him just not passing on as many shots, he's going to go from like eight and a half to like 10 shots per game. If he can get 10 to 11 points, cool. But the thing that I, the key thing that I want to see Patrick Williams do is learn how to impact the game when you're not getting shots. So I've said this, 100, 100 steals. 100 blocks from Patrick Williams this season. I think if he can get those type of things, that's how you can make an impact without scoring. He was already the least scored on player in isolation in the entire NBA last season. So that defense is legit, right? So you're not going to get the shots. You need to hang your hat on defense. You need to hang your hat on energy. You need to hang your hat on getting rebounds, blocking shots, getting steals. Do all the in-between things. What I've called it on my show is be the perfect gap filler on this team, meaning the gap that you have that the starters, the core three in DeMar, Vooch, and Zach Lack, you need to try to bring all of those things right along with Javon Carter. And if those two players can be those gap fillers and excel in those roles, that ups the ceiling hugely for the Chicago Bulls. Having players on your basketball team that understand their roles, accept their roles, and excel in those roles, those are the ingredients and the keys to winning championships. For me personally, right, as a Warriors fan, Andrew Wiggins and Kevon Looney are prime examples of that. They're not these like crazy 25 points per game guys, but they come in, they rebound the basketball, they switch everything on the defensive end, they get after it, and they play their roles and they play every game. Those types of players are invaluable to what you're trying to build as a roster. And to me, the evolution of Patrick from that perspective can absolutely make this Bull team a team that is still super duper competitive. So I'm with you on that. And I don't think it's too crazy for him to be a all defensive player. I think that's a possible thing for him, but team success factors in that as we all know, and there's a ton of defensive talent in the league but for him just coming in and having confidence my biggest issue with Patrick Williams is not his skill set it's the confidence to employ that skill set and get after it because he's shown flashes that he can be a very good potent mid-range guy he's a pretty much efficient guy but he doesn't take the shot volume which still might not be there this year but just the confidence to be himself in the minutes that he's playing I think that is the biggest switch I want to see from him Agreed. Yeah. So I now have to transition to something that's iffy. So I feel like you're right, right? Everything that you said on Zach Levine and saying that all these moves don't mean anything if Zach Levine doesn't sign. Well, Zach Levine signed, but now it's being flirted out there that he might potentially be moved based on the scale of his contract and who's out there. I really want to get your take on, do you think it's time for Chicago to move on from Zach? Do you give any credence to actually trading him at this point? I think that they're open to move anybody in the right deal. When you're a team that hasn't made it out the first round for what, however many years, like you'd be crazy not to listen to offers. But that what we've heard is that they want a veteran, a young promising player, and three, two to three first-round picks back for Zach Levine. That's a player that you value, right? And so I think that 
they're listening to deals, and when you're a struggling team, you should. But I don't think that they're just looking to move Zach for the sake of moving him. I think that they're open and trying to listen to everything that can put this team in a possibly a better situation. But I think that Zach Levine is going to be here for a long time. Now, I do think that if we're still in this place where we're fighting just to make the play-in in another year or two, listening to calls could change to we're actively making calls. And I think that at that point, you're looking at a 30-year-old Zach Levine you, you got to do your due diligence at that point. But I think more than likely than not, Zach Levine is going to be a bull for a long time. Yeah, I think that Zach Levine is going to stay on this roster. And I feel like a part of it is the contract that he signed and what Chicago is trying to get back in the current marketplace. If it really stays at that number, I just don't think that's going to actually happen. I kind of feel like they signed Vooch to that extension to flip him in future seasons. I don't think Vucevic is long for this team. I think at this current state, somehow you guys had a very good defense last year and mm -hmm. you got to get that credit. But I think his flaws on the interior shine against elite competition. And I'm just not sure if that can really sustain itself on his roster for long-term success. But Zach Levine is your franchise guy. I don't think you guys trade him unless you have a clear understanding of, okay, these are the pieces we're going to get back. And Dame to me is not realistic. I don't, I don't see why you're trying to trade Zach for Dame to do more of the same thing compared to saying, we know Zach, we've grown Zach, he's been an all-star here. Let's continue to build this all the way out. Yeah, I mean, the Zach for Dame things, like, that was the person who, who broke that story, quote-unquote, it was a Philly writer. Like, well, how, how tuned in are you really just what the Chicago Bulls negotiations are? Like, that's the way that I look at it. Like, it's off-season. Off-season content is a thing. Um, you know, it was quickly kind of shot down and said the Portland isn't interested in Zach. So the Dame thing didn't really make a lot of sense to me. Um, I do think that the Bulls are going to be listening to offers. When you look at the exceptions and things that we still have left, they'd be crazy not to try to figure out how to add something to this team if they need to by the trade deadline. But the Zach Levine for Dame and some of the other rumors that I've heard, I don't really think there's anything much to it, to be honest with you. I like that answer. I have to say, like, people love to just make up random BS all throughout the offseason because, again, there is no basketball. Like, for you to still be making content during the offseason shows your drive and your passion to Chicago Bulls basketball. Media Day is almost here as well, so I can't wait for that stuff. But we're literally at a time where all we can do is go off of the matchups that we saw from last year and project exactly where these teams are going to be. I'm not going to lie to you, Hayes. For me... The East and the Western Conference are much improved from last year. And I find it very hard to like grade where all these teams are going to be. The Bulls are a team that I find especially hard to gauge because, again, ironically, DeMar DeRosa had a similar year to his first year with Chicago. Just not the same based off of uh, slight efficiency in numbers and his overall games played. But me trying to guess what this team is going to be next year in the East it's kind of hard. What's your like average place in terms of like 5C, 4C, maybe playing? Where do you think the Bulls slide in this year for 2024? So I think that if the if the the improvement that the Bulls did in the margins, which is what I call adding Javon Carter and Torrey Craig, because like what they've done, I know Torrey Craig had a career year shooting three, but even looking at what they've done for their average for their career. Bulls were the 28th or 29th team in three-point shooting. Just adding what they brought average-wise, that ups the Bulls to top 
10 in three-point shooting. I think that alone is room for optimism on top of being a better half-court defensive team. So I, I look at this team and I say that they can, if everything works and clicks, they can avoid the plan. I think they can fight for the sixth seed. Now, if, if everything's kind of clunky and it doesn't work or they get off to a slow start or have injuries, I still think that they can make the plan for sure. I think that that needs to be the bare minimum. But I definitely look at this team that has the upside potential of avoiding the plan this year. It really comes down to, there's because like, like you said, the top level talent in the East, our teams in the East have improved. But everyone else is kind of all bunched in there in the middle of the pack. I look at Brooklyn, New York. Atlanta, uh, Miami right now until they trade for Dame, if they do trade for Dame, Toronto and Chicago are all kind of in that same area with like a team like the Pacers with their young youth. If they take a leap, yeah. they can kind of jump leapfrog some of those teams. But I look at it all kind of being around the same, having kind of the same expectations. So if the Bulls can stay healthy, if the Bulls can click and make a, uh, some changes in their offensive system, and God forbid one of the young players take a leap or a step, right? I think we can we can definitely I, I look at the six seed being something that's obtainable for the Bulls this season. I've had many arguments with my basketball friends about this. I kind of feel like this year, Bulls, Hawks, Pacers, and the and I will also say the Magic. Like these are teams that are like, okay, if things go right for us all the way defensively, we can be really, really good. Obviously, you look at the Magic as a team that probably shouldn't be in that conversation, but I think that what they've done in terms of being competitive last year and the size that they have defensively is going to keep them in every game. Their offense is probably what's going to be what undoes them. I think for Chicago, their identity is going to have to be, again, on the defensive end. My only issue is how does that sustain itself for this year? How does a uh, another year old DeMar come in feeling i kind of feel like the answer for this year has to be patrick williams has to be kobe white being a six man of the year candidate off that bench i had to forget about your kobe white this is your year to me and also zach levine getting back to i'm a 50 40 90 guy which he's come very very close but if zach can play at that high enough level with those other pieces i see no reason why chicago can't be a higher end playoff team than last year agree 100% agree. That's what I hope for the team, and I think that uh, that should be their their goal. And I think the, this team coming in with a fully healthy Zach, if you look at what Zach Levine was post-All-Star break after adding Pat Bev, you're not going to theoretically have that with Javon Carter to start the season. I think the biggest thing with this, te this team in training camp and in preseason, they need to develop an identity. And if they develop that identity, um, it could really take them far. 17 games last year, we lost by five points or less. 17 of those games. Yeah. And so, and then seven of those 17 games, we we technically scored more field goals, but because we didn't shoot three-pointers, we still lost the game. Those type of things are why I really feel confident of the Chicago Bulls this season, but it's up to them to prove it on the court. I think you hit it on the head perfectly earlier. The spacing. Like, people have to understand how important spacing is in this modern game. If I know you can't shoot, I'm clogging up the lane. What does that do? That makes it harder on players that need to get to the lane to have success, to have success, and it makes the half-court offense get jammed up way more, especially if you have your big not shooting effectively on the interior as well. Like, it's hard because I think DeMar DeRozan, as good as he is, no one is respecting him from the three-point line. So having other non-spacers as well makes it harder for DeMar to get to his spots on the mid-range and also Zach being such a good off-ball player and off-ball spacer he gives you that but you need to have more guys that just put the pressure and respect 
on defenses. Even Caruso, as much as I love him, some defenses don't care about what he does offensively. If you have too many guys that people don't care about offensively, it takes away from the productivity your team can fully, fully have. Trust me, I know. I saw some, some terrorist lineups with Steve Kerr last year. I feel you on that, for sure, Hayes. Yeah, but if you had to say this here, so... For 2024, what is your number one expectation above all, all else? If it's players, if it's if it's potential seating, or if it's just something that you want to see as a Bulls fan, what is your number one expectation that you want to see? The Bulls to win close well, to win close games and to stop giving up big leads. That's the two things that really hurt the Bulls team last year. So many games we had double digit lead at half, and somehow we whittled it away by fourth quarter. So I want to see us, and I think that goes back to establishing that identity early in training camp and in preseason. If you do that, teams that have an identity typically don't allow themselves to give up big leads, and that's what I want to see uh, the Chicago Bulls kind of solidify this season. I think execution is the most important thing right now in the game of basketball. We've seen so many teams have leads and then choke them. Like, a 20-point lead is not much, and your team, I mean, the game at home late during the season versus Memphis, how you were down 20, came up, and then you yourself go up 20 points. It goes to show you how that rope can change based off your execution. So execution for the Bulls is definitely something I'm also looking at for sure, Hayes. For sure. Yeah, I, I hope we can. And it really comes up to Billy Donovan. I think also Billy Donovan utilizing players better to their strengths is something that I want to see. I'm not the biggest Billy Donovan guy at all, but, you know, it's something to say that you're, you're like Zach Levine is one of the best catch and shoot players by shooting percentage in the NBA. Zach Levine shot less than 5% off catch and shoots last season. That's unacceptable when you have a player that can score like that off catch and shoots. We got to get that. We got to improve stuff like that. So do you think that this could be a year where, if you're not seeing more improvements on a team that Billy Donovan is potentially on the hot seat. So this is something that most people won't know unless you're really ingrained in Chicago Bulls culture. De uh, 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 Billy Donovan said one day, I text Jerry Reinsdorf, who's the Bulls owner every day. The moment that he said that, I said, oh, no, Billy's going to be here for a while. Because Jerry Reinsdorf has his – keep in mind, we just we and you both talked about how bad of a coach Jim Boylan was. Terrible. When, a, when, when our new GM took over, he the ownership told AK, we want you to keep an open mind and think about keeping Jim Boylan on. That's how much – once you're a Jerry Reinsdorf guy, it's hard to let go of him. So once Billy Donovan said, I talked to Jerry Reinsdorf every single day, I literally put my hand in my face and I was like, yep, yeah, we're going to be dealing with Billy for a long time. That is, I really didn't know that. Damn. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of rough. Um, I agree with you on Billy Donovan. I think he is a good defensive coach, but the way that he executes these pieces comes into question a lot. Even during the Oklahoma City Thunder days, he has some times where you're questioning how are you maximizing these players' skill set? Like you said, people think that. Sorry, people really think, for whatever reason, that Zach Levine is just some empty stats guy. No, he's one of the most efficient shooters in basketball. And if yeah. you're not running enough plays utilizing that skill, which would, ironically, help the Bulls' offense be better if he was maximized more in that way, it's criminal to me. Like, like you got to fix those things, especially when you're a team that is uh, fighting through a Lonzo Ball injury and you're trying to find pieces to replace that overall production. 
every team goes through things it's how you maximize those margins that really that is the separator for the good teams and the bad teams in my opinion agree 100 agree with you there yeah so i'll say this as a content creator what i want to get your perspective on is covering this team covering daily nba content especially for this upcoming season what are some things that you have in the works for this upcoming season? What are you excited for that differs from last year? I think for me, um, like I'm bringing in to my channel, uh, as you know, I cover, I'm the only truly da daily Bulls channel. Every daily. Seven days a week. I've dropped <laughs> yes. seven days a week. I'm, I'm at a hundred and almost 800, I'm sorry, and 50 days of straight content, um, which is crazy. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but I think for me, like it's, it's, I'm bringing in G League review. I'm going to be because we have a lot of players down in the G League that I think are going to be important to the Bulls future. So I'm bringing that in really heavily evaluating that once a week. Um, but outside of that, it's, it's just more of the same, like breakdowns, actually going over actually what went right, what went wrong in a game more so than just the high level analysis of, oh, we lost. This is why we lost. But like going into like the style of play, what 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 caused the Bulls, what didn't the Bulls adjust to? So that's something that I'm looking to add to my uh, repertoire this season. Is kind of more high level analysis for the people that like it, and um, you know that's that's kind of what I'm focused on this year. I like that a lot. I would say for me, growing in the content game, I'm not used to like doing a podcast, YouTube, but I self taught myself everything, and I like basketball to where. I look at plays religiously on film, like who allowed that mm -hmm. back cut that that led to this three that put them in a tie game situation with a, with a minute to go to where they go to overtime and now the Bulls lose that game. Like that type of analysis, a lot of people don't have the heart for because you're breaking down like the micro details at the game. So I do believe by you adding that to a daily schedule and, and guys, I'm sorry, keep in mind what he said. He said 850 days right like that much content on top of planning out okay i'm gonna record on this day about this topic i'm gonna be super efficient to give myself 10 to 15 minutes to knock out everything and now you're adding film study to it as well as someone that does film and does like high level profiles of many different teams and, and basketball players it's very difficult but i encourage you to i encourage you to do it because it does add a lot of perspective to the game that a lot of people don't catch live in the game for sure Absolutely. And I have a website for you. I won't tell it on air because I don't want it to get blown up that you can go and actually watch every possession of a player, specific player if you want to. So, hey, listen, I'm not going to blow up no spot either. We're going to exchange. <laughs> I also have a site. We'll see if it's the same site. I like that idea, though. Um, I do got to say, though, Hayes, I want to give you a lot of shout out and love because, again, daily content is hard, right? Like I was doing daily four hour Twitter spaces on What's up with this team? What's good? What's bad? How can we be better? We would do live watch parties of games and slow it down frame by frame to show, okay, they messed up here or there, here or there. But you to wake up every day and say, Bulls, 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 especially in an offseason where there is no basketball. Where do you get all that energy and passion for it, man? This, I, and this is what I always tell anybody who ever comes to me about podcasting. I always say, pick something, do whatever you're most passionate about and that you talk about every single day anyway and that's what it is for the bulls and the bears with me i talk about the bulls every day i'm 37 years old every day well, i'll be 37 in december every day for almost those 37 years i've talked about the chicago bulls this is how much like 
I've, I've been ingrained in Bulls culture, and I think that, you know, so that makes it easy because I'm not just a fan of the of the Bulls. I'm actually ingrained in Chicago Bulls culture. And, like, as you can see, like, I, my, my recall is ridiculous, and that's because I live and breathe the Chicago Bulls. And so it really makes it easy because I wake up, the Bulls are already on my mind. If I didn't have this podcast, I'd be talking to my dad, my best friend, whoever, about the Chicago Bulls. So it really made it easy to come together and, and, and do it on a podcast because it's always on my mind anyway. And so that's where that passion comes from is because it's something that I, I follow religiously. And I'm somebody who I've never had another team that I've rooted for. I don't understand people who can switch from team to, to team just because your team's losing. I just I don't have that in my brain. I'm a lifelong Bulls fan. And so, like, it just it really truly just makes it easy to do it every day because I'm, I'm going to what I love to do and talk about. Yeah, man. Like. There's nothing I love more than having two monitors up and saying I have a, a game full screen here, a game full screen there. Yeah. And I'm going through stuff and, like, I'm writing plays down like, okay, he set the back cut. Does the center pick up at the top? He doesn't three-point. Okay, boom, write that down, write that down. Because there's so much high-levelness to basketball. Like, dude, I started watching basketball late, right, because my dad – um he's not from here. He's from Africa, right? So he okay. told me don't watch sports that's soft be a man play sports so i never watched it until i got like uh older so right like right now i'm basically in, in college but having that perspective it makes me understand sports more because the details that's in a game everything that can happen within three seconds can swing a entire season can swing so many narratives about players coaching staffs and all that off of literally just one possession Right. J.R. Smith in the finals. Like, sure, they're going to probably lose that series regardless. But the fact that that happened, we have this understanding of, wow, that's such a bad player. Now, when, you know, J.R. has been pretty good as a player for his entire career. He just made that one mental slip up. It's the mental game. And just like the content creation stuff, I agree with you. You have to love what you're talking about. I love sitting down and watching Kevon off ball screens and rebounds. I like that. I watch it. I talk about it. That's just me. It's crazy, but that's just me. So I love that confidence and that motivation that you give to everyone that's trying to make it in that content game. And I am definitely one of those people. Um, I definitely want to get you on more sometime during the season because I do do these things where we watch games from pregame, halftime, postgame, and analyze stuff. I would love to get your perspective on the Bulls as we get further into the season. So shout out to Hayes for coming on the podcast. And please, please check out all of his links. Bulls Central Pod again. Like he said, it's a daily thing. Multiple episodes. And dude, they're quick. Like 25, 30 minutes. Super to the point. Super articulate. Super efficient. Hayes, let the people know where they can find you. You guys can follow me at CEO Hayes. at CEO H-A-I-Z-E. Uh, that's my personal. If you want to follow my uh, Bulls channel and podcast, it's Chicago Bulls Central. Absolutely. And if you want to support my podcast, make sure to like, comment, subscribe on the YouTube side of things at Gift the Hoops. And this also is a podcast that's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else you get your podcast and content. Gifted Hoops should be pretty easy. We're only 33 episodes in, but we have way, way more to come. Drops are coming on Mondays and Thursdays routinely at 3 p.m. Appreciate all the support. We just hit 1.3 thousand subscribers. It means a lot. We're on our way for that big boy 2000. Cannot wait for the season. NBA fans, we got a couple days left. A couple days left. Thankfully, on my roster, Hayes, there is no more Jordan pool to punch. So things should be coming in clean. We'll see how things go. But I'm going to end things on that note. I'll catch you guys in the next Gift of Hoops upload. Peace out, people. 
Have a good one. And remember, appreciate basketball while we got it. Because some of y'all don't appreciate shit. Peace. <laughs>